0: This
1: is a Hot Pie Media original.
0: Welcome back to Overcome with Justin Wren. I don't know what you are in the middle of overcoming in your life. You have overcome 100% of your darkest days. But man, do we have an overcomer here today on the episode. You are going to be incredibly, deeply encouraged because this man has overcome more Than most probably would or could in his life. He's my boxing coach. He's also my sponsor in recovery. His name is Jeffrey Meadows, and he's the owner and founder of Black Sheep Boxing here in Austin, Texas. It is a gym, a boxing school that teaches you how to fight, not only in the ring, but in life. Life's a fight. And they have a program, Fight for Your Life, that specifically helps people in recovery or with mental health issues they sponsor so many people through the program and it is literally one of the gyms i've joined a lot being a fighter for 15 years now and wrestling for you know coming up on almost 20 years it's one of the gyms if not the the gym that i've been most excited to join why because it's purpose driven just like jeffrey shares in this episode i think you're going to be deeply deeply encouraged Jeffrey's first time getting really in trouble and sent to maybe alternative school, and then after that into being incarcerated and sent to institutions um, from 11 years old until he was 30. That is 19 years in and out of trouble, struggling with addiction uh, to alcoholism and uh, and into and to drugs. The guy is one of the most helpful. And most, he's as real as it gets, That's actually the saying of the UFC, as real as it gets. And this dude is just one of the realest. And so I'm really excited that you're going to be able to tune in and listen to Jeff's story. Now I asked you at the top of this intro, what is it that you're overcoming? Um, me personally, I actually had a relapse and I am in process of overcoming that. I've decided to seek help. And was encouraged to do so by the people in my life that, that loved me, but also I knew it, I knew it. And this has been my decision to, to go back to, to treatment. Well, Jeff's actually helping me with that. And so I'm going to go get some healing in. I'm going to be going away for at least 30 days, if not 60 to 90. And I'm going to be working a real program, hoping for a new experience, some, some newfound freedom and some tools that I can put in my toolbox that will help me uh, overcome, overcome some of my darkest days. There'll be dark days to come. And so how do I cope with those? Hopefully never again with drugs and alcohol, but if so, those, uh, relapses, I want to be shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, so anyways, uh, this is part one of two episodes we'll release. And the first one, we go into black sheep boxing. We go into Jeff's story, his upbringing, how he found freedom and how he, found freedom also through helping other people in part two, uh, buckle up buttercup because we go into a lot of my story, uh, the current situation and relapse me needing to seek help. And then also, uh, how Jeff's going to be part of that process. He's part of the team. He's actually, uh, kind of quarterbacking some of it. So uh, a lot of it. And so I'm very grateful for him. Although I'm, I'm the one that's got to do the work. It's not on him. It's not even on the people at the treatment center. They're they're there to help and to assist. But uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm grateful for this man you're about to hear from. So a little bit of business for the show. Um, you know, I, I I we hope that these episodes will continue regularly. Um, uh, but if not, please have some grace and leniency because I'm I'm trying to help myself so I can come back and hopefully help some others. But I got to help me first for the show. If, if this encourages you, or if you know someone that needs help, uh, please either send this out to them or please rate review, subscribe to the show that helps it. And, uh, we're going to continue to help people. Um, we're going to be, give, be given back to fight for the forgotten continuing through the show. And, uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll come out even better, stronger and being able to help more people after this. But, um, anyways, We're going to get to the show and thank you. Thank you for tuning in. You're an overcomer. And uh, let's, let's look at this conversation. I'm so grateful that you're here, Jeff. I love you. Mm -hmm. You're a gift to me. And I, I guess what I want you to know or hear starting off is I've seen people that have been impacted by your life. I'm one of them. But I think about Jason, the first guy that was sponsored, uh, to come through black sheep boxing, your yeah. gym and how you've impacted his life in a deep and great way. And so many others moose, um, I could yeah. just keep listing listing off a bunch of, a bunch of names, but I really appreciate you and uh, the friend that you are in my life. And also that you're my boxing coach. Uh, but mostly that, um, You're my sponsor in recovery. And uh and that life's a fight that uh that or this is the biggest fight of our life, right? Both you and me, addiction. And and it's a battle that can absolutely kill us. You and me both. And we both know that. And I guess that what I'm hoping to do with this is honor your story. In this conversation, that's all it is. Yeah. I know that this is your first podcast. And um, I'm really excited that this is going to, I'm honored that a, your first podcast is my podcast because when I get around you, like I, I always leave feeling better than when I came in. And that's a true gift that you have. Um, you're an encourager, you're a fighter, you're a coach. Um, and there's so many good things about you, bro. And that goodness has been a real gift to me in my life, um, and the people around me. And there's also been times that I I really dropped the ball and didn't utilize the the help and support. There's been times you told me, you know, that uh, hey, you got my number, you gotta use it. Mm-hmm. And there's been times that haven't. And um, you know, I'm getting ready to go to treatment, uh, rehab, and uh, to, to work on my recovery. Cause I've had a setback and I just think it's that, that set up for a stronger comeback. And, um, anyways, Jeffrey Meadows, thank you for being here.
1: It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a, a journey in yeah. a short amount of time we've known each other, you know, uh, from Oklahoma and, and all the good stuff. Uh, you know, there's one thing I really want to pinpoint, you know, a setback that's your mindset. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity, yeah. you know, so, uh, a setback it's, uh, I don't believe in, you know, we, we don't fail. Uh, we just discover a way that doesn't work. Mm. You know, that, that language, um, and those, the uh, vocabulary you use whenever you describe uh, what you're going through, I, I believe is very important. Yeah. Um, cause our mind will try to kill us and make it look like an accident. If we continue and feed it, um, um, the bullshit.
0: <laughs> oh, I think that, I think that's so good. It's, that's, that's whether it's, addiction for sure mm-hmm. our brain's trying to kill us and make it look like an accident or even depression yeah like when i've I've lost a lot of friends this year by suicide and um mm-hmm. and it's like yeah your brain's trying to kill you and make it look like an accident i mean that's not an accident suicide but um
1: no i heard that in the first aa meeting i ever went to uh, oh wow yeah yeah so but it, it, it's it it in lines with my life because from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed, it's 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 spiritual fucking warfare. Am I allowed to cuss on? You? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> so like it, it, it's literally it, it's my brain, it's just a, a war of good and evil, you know. And uh I wanna start with I saw my counselor therapist um uh, about maybe three, four weeks ago. Um Anna, she's an amazing individual. And uh, you know, I uh the universe presented me with an opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, a hot stove. Uh, I touched the hot stove and, uh, so I needed some, uh, I needed to see somebody for it. And, uh, uh so I, I'm in there talking to her. And, uh, so she, she, she breaks this down for me. She, she goes, Jeff, every morning I wake up, um, there Anna is addict Anna and she's in a fucking cage. And she mm-hmm. goes, Jeff, sometimes that, that cage is quiet and sometimes that cage is fucking shaking, just rattling. Just extremely loud. And she goes, Jeff, I acknowledge it. I respect addict Anna. I acknowledge he's there. She goes, but Jeff, I will never let that bitch out. Mm. She goes, because I had a lot of self-doubt. I had a lot of character assassination, uh, self-pity. And, she, and I was explaining it to her. She goes, Jeff, that, that, that's addict Jeff. She goes, your, your cage is fucking rattling. She goes, so, so acknowledge him, respect him, but don't let that motherfucker out. And so I, I've been able to separate. So my mind's trying to kill me, make it look like an accident and circle back. So all the character assassination, the self-pity, the poor me, mm-hmm. the world owes me this or, or this or that. That's addict Jeff. That, that cage is shaking. So now I've been able to identify the shit show and I could separate it. Well, that's not truly, that's not me. That's not the way my brain's showing up. That's just addict Jeff. So now I could actually separate uh, uh, I call it the internal calamity of the shit show. It's just so I could separate it, so I know like that's just Addict Jeff talking. That's a delusion. It's not real. So now I don't go down that 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 snowball effect. Mm. You know what I mean? So I keep I feed it. I believe it. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, it Addict Jeff is out of the cage, and now the tornado's fucking coming. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. It, it just really so that that my mind's trying to kill me, make it look like an accident. It's, it's a very real thing for people that struggle with mental health or substance abuse, alcoholism, Mm. heroin addiction, meth addiction. And then, you know, uh, the mental health is right there with it. Mm. Um, so for me, when I, or I could simplify, you know, uh, um, the addict, Jeff and, 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 you know, the, the way Jeff. Jeff. Yes. My guy I know, the man I know. Yeah. A lot of people don't know addict Jeff. Um, there's about three people in my life that, that, that know addict Jeff and, uh, they're some of my best friends and I love them mm-hmm. to death and I'm sure we'll talk about Skye in a little bit sure. and uh, Allison, but um, man, um, you know, God is good and life is great. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I mean, we'll dive more into it, but.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I think what you said is really great. I was talking with a friend lately and they were telling me about basically like taking care of that hurt inner child. And basically like now that we're older, more mature and just, have 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 grown, you know. We've yeah. we've aged. We've learned. Now it's our responsibility to like take care of that hurt child that is there, and not let that hurt child take care of us. So this is just a different way to look at it. Where it's like, well, that's powerful because sometimes that hurt inner child is in that cage, rattling, screaming, pit, you know, yeah. having a tantrum, and then, uh you know, we 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 can instead compartmentalize, simplify it, and say, no, 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 no. I, I recognize you, and yeah. whether it's no mofo you're not coming out yeah or it's it's you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna love you and i'm gonna get better sleep and i'm gonna drink some water and i'm gonna go work out and hit the bag Mm -hmm. um and just take care of take care of me do something good for me yeah anyways uh i want to get into some of your story i really want to get into some of your story because i i i know a lot of it but i want to know more i want to know all of it and uh where where did you grow up Set the stage for the a lot of the hard stuff that you've been through and what you've. The show's called Overcome. You've yeah. overcome a lot, Jeff.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I could think. You know, my mom's played such a, a key role and mm. one of the reasons why I'm still alive today. Um, but yeah, I'm a Jeffrey Lowell Meadows Platt. Uh, I was born in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, grew up in Spencer for I think maybe like up to five, somewhere around there. Then we moved to Houston. Uh, but the toxicity came at a very early age. It was, uh, we were beaten, you know, by my my father. He, he's passed away now. I'm not going into too much about sure. him. Um, but I always, I always said, and I want to share something with y'all, uh, what's going to lead into, because it's an amazing uh, uh, transformation. I always said, if I ever see my father again, I will fucking kill him. Hmm. That's what growing up, you know, in and out of penitentiaries and all this kind of stuff that that was the mindset I had. The resentment was so rooted to what he did to me, my brother and sister and the way he treated us and and uh, uh, some of the most foul stuff. It was like Hansel and Gretel. We lived in like a two story log cabin in the middle of the woods in Spencer, West Virginia. Uh, Mom wasn't around because they got divorced. She was in Houston. She really didn't know what was going on with us. And when she did, she she took us out from the house. But I'm just going to say anything that you could think of that could happen in that log cabin happened you know what i mean and uh and so uh i was able to deal with that resentment when i first got sober about 4 years ago uh and that's something that i really want to pinpoint on on today because i really think it could a lot of people could benefit from it a lot um but o- over the years i uh moved to houston shortly after uh you know my mom came and 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 grabbed me my brother and sister i'm the youngest of three um i have an older sister uh, tyler and, and tiff um and then in Houston, that's when, uh, that's when things started getting bad. You know, uh, I remember, uh, the first uh, institution I went to was called Alternative Learning Center at age 11. And, uh, the first time I ever got in trouble, it really was not my fault. <laughs> and then every time after that, it was, I was, I was the sole reason, uh, for, for going to whatever, uh, whatever, uh, facility that they were sending me to. But I, I, I will never forget. The uh, the first time this 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 girl had a crush on me and her boyfriend, I was in sixth grade, uh, no, s- yes, yeah, sixth, sixth or seventh grade, and uh, the uh, the the guy that she was dating put weed in my backpack, and this is in Houston, right? Five mm-hmm. A school went and told the teacher, uh, wow, and yeah, and so I went to a place called Alternative Learning Center, um, had to wear uh, uh, you know a bad name tag and and. Um, had to walk my hands behind my back. It was an alternative learning center for, for, for young boys. And, uh, and that's whenever I got introduced to, uh, the shit show, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, stopped caring about everything. Um, started hanging out with the wrong people. Um, and it was just the domino effect. It was just, I mean, every week I'm now I'm really getting in trouble for, uh, for all different types of things, you know, yeah. and I'm real big in talking about what my life looks like now. I normally don't spend so much time in, in the shit. Sure. Um, because I, I'm every, I'm sure a lot of people could relate with me, but I really want to get into the solution and, yeah. and how we've been able to, well,
0: you can give it. us a high level of yeah. like, I mean, cause I, I, what's really great. The man that I know now.
1: Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: And so, but when it comes to like institutions and things like that, how much time it all stems back to that time of like being blamed for something that you didn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, like literally, Drugs being planted on you at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, wild, bro.
1: Yeah, well, the that's thing wild. was, is then from there, um, if, I if got, you got
0: blamed for it and you're getting punished for it. Why not just do it anyways? I mean, that's yeah, almost.
1: I was, see, I was never into drugs and alcohol. I wanted, I was the validation, it mm. was the acceptance. I was willing to do whatever and uh, whenever if somebody would just be my friend. Mm. It, the drugs and alcohol came later. Um, but I remember one week I had a uh, Jinkos and I had a surfer cut. Literally a week later, I had Jinko <laughs> jeans. I yeah, those I'm, in a I'm, while. I'm 34. You know, so then the next week I had a fucking seashell necklace with Rand Abercrombie and Fitch. Mm-hmm. Just searching like fucking somebody, please like me. Here's Jinko jeans and here's this puka shell necklace, dude. And then yeah. then I was just fucking. Then I was skateboarding. Uh, Then I got into a long, uh, uh, multiple years of rollerblading. That's whenever Sky and and other stuff come in in, and play. Um, But it was mainly just, man, I just wanted to be accepted. Mm. And I was willing to skip school. Um, See, my mom was raising three kids and she was working at Polly Ryan Hospital and she was on call. You know, so she was a single mother raising three kids. We could do what the fuck when we wanted because she was always at work. Mm. You know, I could skip school. And she'd find out, of course, but dude, there was nothing on this earth that could have got me to listen or have some understanding or compassion where my mom was coming from. You know, I'll just put it this way. My addiction got so bad. um, Whenever we got cancer, she made the joke saying, I I survived your addiction. I'm going to beat cancer. Mm. Just to put into perspective on how bad it got. Wow.
0: I survived your addiction. I'll survive cancer.
1: Yeah, and we're joking about yeah, it, yeah, but there's sure. some a lot of fucking yeah. truth behind that. Absolutely, man. You know a lot. Yeah, and uh, you know we've been fighting cancer for shit three years now. I think it feels like uh, we're doing great. It's um, great, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just like, and we'll get into can all I, that. Can I yeah. meet your mom? Absolutely, bro. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: She, she's I she's wait. an angel. I want to I thank her for <laughs> for bringing you into this world, man. And being patient and uh, it, and all that because yeah. I've the reason I'm still here is my mom. Yeah. And, uh, she's, yeah, that's, it's literally the reason I'm, I'm, I'm here. If I was I mean, I, I would have been gone at an early age.
1: Yeah. And it took 25 years yeah. for something to hit, yeah. you know, uh, and from ALC just to put into perspective, uh, I repeated seventh grade twice. Um, I dropped out in ninth grade. Uh, I went to ALC, AEP, MTC, ISF, the McCabe center, Uh, Whenever
0: you're saying all these for people, I don't know,
1: therapeutic communities,
0: therapeutic communities.
1: So um, 3DWIs, uh, multiple assault charges, domestic violence. um, And it goes on and on. And uh, and and that one documentary, you know, that sky dude, you saw all the mug shots of my entire childhood. And and it's, uh, I, I love it because that's who I am. You've embraced it. Oh, my God. I wouldn't change one fucking thing about my life. And and the thing is, and we'll get into that mindset about um, struggling with alcoholism and substance abuse is one of the most biggest blessings that I've like. I truly feel chosen by. I don't don't know if necessarily call it God or whatever you want to believe in, but I feel chosen by something higher than my fucking self. And uh, something that that's above this above me. What
0: do you mean by that? Chosen for what?
1: I don't just it's in my brain
0: to 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 use this to help others, be of service, be of service,
1: and it's my what my I am in an opportunity. Isn't that what
0: life's about? And some people have a, I mean, like for you and I, they're so purpose driven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that, and I do, man. You've you've you for me, man. Like you've been such a gift so for me, I'm glad you were chosen to be in my life. I don't see it.
1: I don't see it. I just, I, I know it helps keep me fucking sober. Yeah. That, that, that's really what it comes down to besides some other stuff. Um, but a lot of people like, Hey Jeff, like, and I'm just like, man, like to me, it's like, it's not, I'm just saying yes. Like I, I gave you like, I gave you some free boxing gloves. Like the simplicity <laughs> of helping somebody. Dude, you came up and- with me
0: to Oklahoma to help me move back because yeah. on a couple of my trips back to Oklahoma, those were those were danger zones because I had an apartment where I lived alone and I could use and mm-hmm. there's you know no I could I had everything there and so I remember thinking like thank God for Jeffrey. Yeah, that's <laughs> so coming with me to that help me move sucked, and to drive back here. Yeah. Uh what was that? At least six hours in that big ass tough. U-Haul. Yeah. It it's was tough, tough, but I was so grateful you were there for me, man. So thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, that, that's why I just say like individuals that truly struggle with a physical allergy, right? So so in my brain, so I even if it's a good morning text message, I want another one. That shit made me feel good. Mm. It it, it sees see, the I, I, I can't so for say people this people that enough. don't
0: know about addiction, part of that cycle of addiction is whenever you have that first use, all of a sudden, an allergy, a physical, real allergy that is accompanied by a phenomenon of craving. Right, mm-hmm. that hits in
1: the mental obsession,
0: and it you go on a spree. You it's, want more?
1: It's called the vicious cycle. Yeah. Okay. So let me say I, I'm hungover. I wake up after a night of partying. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, I start obsessing over the next drink. Okay. Then I have the phenomenon of cream. Then, then I taste it, and then I can't stop, and I want more, 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 more. Then I black out. I wake up. I'm hungover, and now we're back in that vicious cycle. I start obsessing about it, and, and I truly believe addiction starts with a choice. But for a certain individuals, it hijacks the brain. You develop, develop an allergy, and for my my uh, um, how I'm going to break this down is for one thing, five hour energies, monster drinks. Um, porn, if something changes the way somebody feels for the better and they want more, want more, want more, want more, that's a food. Food's yeah. a huge one. Yeah. And, and I even struggle. I That's one of the biggest things I struggle with to this day is at the end of the night, because I, I, I work so much, I'll binge eat and my girlfriend, she's an amazing woman. I love her to death. Mm-hmm. And, right. and yeah. And she, she she'll like, fucking stop? And I'm literally I can't and I literally have to fucking throw the food away because if it's in that fridge, I'm going to go back to eating it. So what, what, what I'm getting at is the drugs, the alcohol, the five hour energies, the good morning text is not your fucking problem. I'm the problem, Justin. You're the problem. And the drugs, the alcohol, the good morning text, all that other stuff, that's the solution to the fucking problem. Because you can't sit with your own feelings and you can't sit with yourself. Mm. You need some kind of out, abnormal substance to change the way you feel. So now you feel okay. Right. One of the, uh, uh, I, this is the, how it makes you feel normal. Yeah, What you want as normal. So, so this will put it in perspective. A lot of people go to the bars because to, it produces an effect to get drunk. Right. I go to the bars, Justin, because it fixes me. Mm. I don't go to the bars to have fun and get drunk. Yeah, I go to the bars because it fixes Girl, me. It I, I makes don't like me using feel it. okay.
0: Well, n- nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10 when I use, I actually, I mean, that first time I normally like it a lot. <laughs> and then after that, it's like, it's a train wreck. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And it's, but I feel like I have to have it. Yeah. If like I need it. This, this last relapse I had, I was, I was literally hitting this vape pen of THC and Drinking at the same time. And I was just like, stop, 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 stop. But I couldn't mm-hmm. or I wouldn't, but I, 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 I just, I felt like I absolutely physically couldn't stop.
1: It's the power of no choice. Mm. The first treatment facility I went to, um, he, the, the, one of the recovery, specialists, he, he, he goes, he goes, Jeff, what's your drug and no choice? Mm. And I said, what do you mean? Like what's your drug that you're fucking powerless over? I, I, it starts with alcohol for me. The minute I get a, yeah. uh, a drink in me, I'm a fucking I'm a diehard drug addict. Um, and uh
0: so mine's marijuana. This yeah. last time I drank a little bit, but it was just because I was trying to not do other stuff. Yeah. But mine marijuana will lead to everything else. Yeah. And, and thank God it didn't, but, uh, the
1: thing is you take away the marijuana, marijuana long enough. I promise you, you're going to substitute it with something else. Yeah, and sure. we could have some that, that justifies, well, this is legal. So I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. The thing is, if, if you, if you're putting anything into your body, I don't even give a damn if it's fucking, uh, um uh, greens, you know, or some kind of healthy beet juice. If it's, if, if it's becoming unmanageable and you're taking 15 protein shakes a day. That's a red flag. Mm. The thing is, is we justify some well this this is sold at H E B. So I'm not doing anything wrong. The justification, now we're in a delusion that I don't struggle with addiction. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for so sure. So it,
0: it's for those, for those that don't know the uh the the beautiful H E B uh <laughs> It's a grocery store. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But no, no, you're good. It's, it's like it's, Target uh, or Kroger. Yeah,
0: it's incredible. And uh what what I wanna I want to shift to just a little bit because you're doing incredible explaining all this. What was it? How many years were you just for me to be reminded and and the listeners, how many years was it that you were in and out of like a system, uh, a a institution?
1: Since age 11. Uh, To what? Oh, no. To 28. From age eleven to twenty-eight, 28 yeah, That's I was in and out, in and out, in and out. Oh, is seventeen years const, consistently, probably around, probably nine to ten years. Wow, Safe P, MTC, uh, the McCabe Center, uh, uh, penitentiary. Yeah. So, what was it's, it that
0: where the change
1: happened? The where pain. The pain. The pain. It's, I. I. I remember it was like it was yesterday. A lot of times we're going to hear people say acceptance was my answer or some shit along those lines. When I accepted I was an alcoholic, um, I finally was ready to change or some shit. But my story is different. I accepted the fact that I struggled with addiction 10 years ago, but I didn't give a fuck. You know why? Because I had enablers. Mm. I I could burn the world down and I could still have a roof over my head. I still had people to support me. I still had people that say, I love you. What was the big change for me? My enablers, which was my one of my mother, biggest enabler. And the thing is, is, is there's such a fine line from supporting and loving somebody and then enabling that nobody, that you can't, you can't see the difference. Yeah. By knowing you're using, but still letting you sleep at my house, that's enabling.
0: Enabling and codependency. Where I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to put myself, like, see your mother's perspective and for her, you know, maybe, maybe there was um, potentially some guilt from the time you're in Virginia or West Virginia. She's in Houston. She's trying to do what she can. Yeah. And we talked about all that. Sure. And then, and then while in that, in her process of trying to take care of you, whenever you're feeling bad or doing things, she's just like, well, this is part of, I mean, potentially she could put some of the blame on herself or guilt or just, I'm going to, I'm going to keep supporting him, keep supporting him, keep supporting him until he finally gets it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And nail on the head, actually, you know, and so that's um, codependency, a big one. It's like, I don't know. It, it's I, get, I I still work in the, in, in treatment yeah. and uh, I, I still get a lot of times people come in and they talk to nurse practitioner and they're like, nurse practitioner's like, yeah, you're, you're bipolar and you're manic and you're depression and like giving like telling me like you, these, these are all the things I'm diagnosing you with and it's like, No shit, doc. He's been banging heroin for fucking two years and Mm -hmm. drowning in a bottle of, you know, Jack. Of course he's manic. And a lot of times when you take away the addiction, you slowly start taking away the mental health. Um, I have been depressed and suicidal and addiction or in sobriety. Um, But I have tools and I have a fellowship of friends that pull me right out. You know, I I reach out immediately. But whenever I'm in the pits of my addiction, now I'm isolating and Mm. I'm suicidal. That's whenever lives are lost.
0: Yeah. I have a, I have a doctor, psychiatrist named Dr. Daniel Amen, and he's an incredible guy. And, and he's, um, you know, there's, there's doctors out there. that will be quick to, to diagnose you without actually like looking at stuff and, yeah. and, uh, and really remove the drugs and alcohol. And that person might not be yeah. bipolar, this or that, or whatever. other, yeah. because whenever I came in there, I brought in other doctors, diagnoses, right. And like showed it to him and he didn't even really look at him. He's like, let's look at your brain first, because if you've been doing this, this and that, you know, let's take away this and let's really look at your brain. And so, uh, anyways, I just think that what you're saying is right. Like, we got to remove the drugs and alcohol from our system first. Mm -hmm. and. Then work a program, be in recovery, or yeah. just whatever it is, pray, meditate, exercise. Yeah. All and it's
1: kind of off topic, but 90 fucking percent of diseases and, and health issues are curable through basic dieting, just basic, yeah, shit. preventative
0: ba- medicine, yeah, preventative, like or preventative measures, yes, just just
1: uh, um, exercise, One to go, go on a light job, yeah. you know what I mean, and, and then invest in your health, just basic diet that yeah. cures. Ninety nine percent. Don't eat
0: McDonald's. Of, eat some superfoods. Eat some greens. You know. Eat, fries, eat some greens. Yeah.
1: Instead, like let's turn to the pharmaceuticals and let's rely on this pill to fix yeah. everything. And yeah. now we're now I'm dependent on a fucking pill, and it's just it, it's it gets worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. And again, a little off topic, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's go to where your mom decided to to stop enabling yeah. you. So uh, this last time I was in prison. um, uh, um, third DWI. So, um, I pretty much, you know, um, there was an issue, um, where I got out of prison March 24th, 2017. And I remember getting out of prison, uh, got out from the walls out in Huntsville and, and, uh, I didn't even have anybody pick me up. Like that's, I did so much fucking damage when I got out of prison. Like I rode the fucking bus back to Austin. A lot of people, Oh, Jeff's getting out. Let me go pick him up. Like I going in this last time, I had to had to turn myself in. I remember listening to Blue October, writing fucking crime, writing all my addresses down, knowing I'm gonna go turn myself into to the penitentiary or first into county jail. And I knew I was gonna go to prison. Um anyway, so I get out and I I ride the bus uh back back to Austin and, and the penitentiary scared me sober for about fucking, I don't know, three months, four months. And I go back to bartending and uh uh, my girlfriend's probably going to kill me for this one, but fuck it. Uh, I go back to bartending. I start dating my bar manager and, uh, one day she was my boss and, uh, I took a shot of Patron. I haven't drank, uh, uh, the entire time I was in prison. I didn't drink. I wasn't sober cause I just didn't drink because I, I have anger issues. And I was so fucking fearful of who I was going to get involved with drunk, you know, um, because Texas department of corrections, I mean, it's not all, it's not. It's not pretty, you know? Um, So I I didn't drink out of fear. And uh, so I just did my time. So I I remember I took a shot. I took one shot of Patron behind the bar. And uh, this is a disease of progression. Mm. Within 30 minutes, I take my tips. I sneak out back. I called a cab. I go home. I grabbed about $800. And then I went to the club. And I disappeared for about a week and a half. Hmm. Uh, it was a dark time. Yeah. It was dark, dude. It got dark hey, real quick, and uh, soon after that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in my room, and it just it got dark. I, uh, I'll remember um, a time a little before, same concept, and, and my mom's sitting out front. And I tried to hang myself in my room. I got my brother's extension cord out of the garage. And uh, I went out and I told my mom, bye, you know, and I was like, I love you. And uh, she knew something was wrong. Like she knew something was was going on. And I went and I, I hung myself in my room uh, uh, with the fan. And uh, my mom busts the door down and calls 911 and I'm hanging. And, and uh, we had a friend living with us and, and they called 911 and I got a bottle of fucking vodka. It was just because I could not stop. I I couldn't, I wake up and I'd, I'd obsess over this fucking, this liquor. And, uh, I was so fucking far deep into my own shit. Uh, the guilt, the shame, all that shit. It was, it was so bad. And the cops looking at me, I got a warrant out for my arrest. I just did some time and I'm like, I'm going back to jail. And for the first time, first time in my life, um, somebody showed compassion because I was struggling. It was always like, nah, put your hands behind your back. It was always like, no, we're, you know, it was very cutthroat. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're, going to jail. Like we're, we're going to take you on a trip. This cop sat down next to me and, uh, and I was, I was ready. Like, I know what the fuck's going on. And I'm just like, let, let's fucking do this. Um, and he goes, we're not taking you to jail. I got a fucking felony warrant. And he, and he looked at me, he's, we're not taking you to jail. And he took him to Shoal Creek hospital. Um, And then dude, I, those mental hospitals They'd loaded me up with so many fucking meds. Yeah, I'm talking so many medication, bro. And within, I was there for maybe two, three days. I can't really remember. It's a fog, but I was a walking fucking zombie. Yeah. You know, uh, there was a time about four years prior to that where I couldn't get out of bed. I had my own apartment and uh, I felt like I had a midlife crisis at the age of like 19 and I was crying. My mom physically had to come pick me up out of my apartment. She drove me to a mental hospital and checked me in you know, I've, uh, it's been, it's been, a it's been a road. Um, and the thing is, is it's this in, since my entire life, like I never dealt with anything. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, uh, then, then I never, never,
0: never faced it. Never, never overcame. No, 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 no. And, but you have now, bro, you have now. And I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I mean,
1: I've, God's given me the opportunity to understand what's really going on in here, because this is the way my brain ticks. You know, it's, I had this really old school dude. Um, I was in prison and I was coming up on parole. And uh, whenever you in prison, if you you get your parole denied, uh, you have to, your next review dates a year later. And mine was May 2nd and it was coming up. And I remember, and I'm praying to get released from prison this year. I just got a year set off. And, and, uh, he hears me and this guy's done like 40 fucking years. And and, and he, he said, he said, Jeff, he goes, you need to stop asking God to release you f- from prison. You need to start asking God to teach you how to live in prison. Oof. And I, I got, I got denied my parole and, uh, everything really changed after that. I'll never forget that.
0: You know, I, I, I actually wanted this morning, I, I did an ice bath and I was thinking about you being my guest today and start thinking about prison. And, uh, I wanted your perspective on this. So thank you for bringing this up and this guy's story. Um, because I don't know if you know, I've, I've been in over a hundred, uh, units yeah. a- around the country and I've been in Folsom and St. Quentin and Huntsville and all sorts of places all around. And, uh, I remember I had a guy tell me, one time cause I was sharing my story of addiction and how I had had three years sober and stuff like that. And he came up and he goes, you know, uh, I really appreciate your story. He goes, you know what, what, what God's done for me in my life is that I'm more free in prison than I ever was outside of it. Yeah, And I was like, what, you know, that was like a moment where I was like, Whoa. And I started, I watched a show last night with Amy and a guy had just gotten released from prison, uh, like 10 years in prison. And he ended up saying some powerful quote i wish i would have wrote it down but it was um that there's so many people walking around in chains and that you can be out of prison but still be in a prison inside here absolutely and uh so where did you start to find freedom whenever whenever it comes to um so
1: what I, what i was what i was actually saying was um Instead of asking God to release me from prison, I started asking God to uh, teach me how to live in prison. So anyway, so so my prayers changed. And not just my prayers changed. The biggest thing, when I started to get freedom, my mindset changed. Mm. My perception on life changed. Because when I found out what was going on with me, uh, I I never asked God to remove my mom's cancer. I, I would ask God to teach me how to be a loving son with my, with a mother that has cancer, teach me how to be there to support her, teach me how to be there to love her, you know, because the last thing my mom wants to see is me hurting because that's going to make her hurt. Mm-hmm. It's my time to step up. It's my time to, to show love, compassion. Um, at the end of the day, the universe is going to do what the universe does. So um I never, I, I, I quit asking God to take away my addiction. And I started asking God to teach me how to live with it. Wow. I am a recovering addict and an alcoholic. That's just is what it is. I could fight it as much as I fucking want. And I could be in the delusion that I don't struggle with, with, with this shit. Um, but when I got freedom, I was just like, man, like, let's turn this into an opportunity. So because I struggle with drug addiction and alcoholism, I live the life I live today. Because I struggle with alcoholism, I have one of the most purest relationships with my mother than I've ever had in my life because I'm an addict. And the best part is because I'm an alcoholic, I own a very successful boxing gym. Um, I partner up with Sober Living's. I've developed a, a boxing program for one of the top treatment facilities in the state of Texas. Um, I'm developing another boxing program for another facility right now, an all-women's facility. Um, and I and I get to do all this. I'm financially free mm-hmm. because I'm an alcoholic. Wow. Again, there's a pony in every pile of shit. And if we don't have the right mindset, Justin, we're never going to be able to tap into some real fucking freedom.
0: Yeah. I think what's been hardest for me in in this fight with addiction is… I've been able to do some stuff. I can I can climb Mount Kilimanjaro with like (laughs) short time training for it, or or take a fight on short notice and 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 end up winning in a a great fashion or whatever. And it's like, why can't I just do this or this part of me, this identity or this definition or this title of addict and alcoholic? It's been one of the toughest things for me to accept or to embrace. Yes, like what you say, you got to
1: embrace this shit. When we first talked about that, when I first met you. You embraced it for maybe two days, Yeah, you know, and th- I've never seen somebody stay mentally free, let alone sober if they don't embrace who they really are. It's true.
0: It's true because you'll, you'll end up. Yeah. Yeah. You might, have, Dr. Amen says it's not about positive thinking. It's about accurate thinking. Yes, and if you are just trying to positively think your way out of problems, <laughs> it's like, well, if you have some accurate thinking, that's probably going to help you get over those problems uh, yeah. for real.
1: Well, you're more logical. Yeah. Same thing with business. Like all my best friends work for me, but guess what? I have to make my decisions based off logic and not fucking emotion. Mm. The gym will go under if I'm sitting there giving people five, six, seven chances because I love them. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. You know what? Same thing with addiction.
0: This episode of Overcome is brought to you by Onit. On it.com. On it.com slash Overcome. Oh, I'm so glad for them. I'm so grateful for that company. Them supporting Fight for the Forgotten, them supporting me personally, them supporting this podcast, them having my back. Uh internally, um, you know, they've they've really blown me away by saying how they're gonna stand by me and stick with this and uh the podcast with me with uh supporting fight for the forgotten and so thank you on it um, for supporting me going and taking care of my well-being for you the, uh, listening to this you can take care of your well-being by getting some of the on products uh one of my favorites that I just stocked up on yesterday again is total human Total human is uh, a morning and night Support pack, and they got some incredible uh, positive quotes on there, and I love those every day reading them. But I just stocked up on at least two more months because I'm going to be going to treatment, and I'm so grateful that uh, I'm going to have some it products to take care of me uh, while I'm there. You can take care of yourself with Alpha Brain. You can take care of yourself with if you're if you're working out. I've really started to like their performance. Um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the name, uh, but they have this performance. Colton, maybe you can pull that up. There's a, a sports performance or strength performance with on it, and I am uh, so grateful for that because I started taking that recently. I hadn't taken it before in the last month or two. I feel like I'm making more gains on it. Total strength performance, and it tastes great. I think it's a strawberry lemonade. Am I right about that? Uh, it's caffeine free, and this stuff is just so good. And you can unlock ten percent. Uh, off for you through on slash overcome. And when I was taking this total strength and performance, it just honestly, like I've, I've been taking it before my workouts the last two months and I'm just feeling like I'm making more gains and uh, it, it's everything coming together, but this is, this has really helped me. I've, I've, I've been excited that it's a new, new product. I actually stocked up on more of that yesterday as well. So anyways, we're about to return to the episode. It might be a little heavy but I hope it's also really helpful, really encouraging. And thank you on it, on it.com slash overcome. Thanks. We're going to get to the gym for sure. Cause that's just a little preview for people yeah. tuning in. It's, it's black sheep boxing It's yes. here in Austin, Texas. Yes. And for me, it's one of the gyms that I have, I've been a professional fighter for 15 years, right. And a wrestler for since I was 15 years old, that's almost 20 years ago. And joining your gym at Black Sheep was one of the most exciting gyms, if not, I mean, going after the Ultimate Fighter, went to Grudge Training Center and I'm training with all these badasses and (laughs) guys that used to be on on my wall as posters when I was a kid, right? Now I'm their training partner and I was so excited to go there, but this one, Black Sheep, I'm more excited to have joined because there's so much purpose in the gym It's actually helping set people free and give them an outlet. It's
1: life and death for about 30% of our clients. Yeah. Literally it's life and death. Uh, Somebody, uh, somebody passed away this morning from drug overdose. Oh my God. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fucked up how morbid it is. Yeah. You know, it's like, I had a good friend die recently and it's just like, okay, I'll pray for him. and, Mm -hmm. And there, there's almost no, there's nothing. When, when when because it's so often, you mm. know, um uh, there there's been multiple deaths, young deaths, um young, young deaths. Um a lot of times it's heroin and fentanyl, uh, because yeah, of what's going around scary. right now. You know, um
0: yeah, I've lost seven people this year, brother. Yeah. And I'm I'm not you, oh, I guess I guess I am with the work that we do over in Congo and Uganda because I've 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 been to five funerals of kids under the age of five and different stuff, and it, it that's hard on me. But like this year, losing friends to suicide, preventable things, right? Or overdose. Um, that's new for me. That's mm-hmm. new for me because after treatment, I got into recovery, have some friends that were, have either been struggling because I struggled with them before and now they finally succumb to it or, or uh, anyways, I, I do want to get back to, to what happened four years ago. Like, yeah. Yeah. What happened for you to find freedom for the first time? So you, you went to treatment.
1: I, I'll be very, very direct. It's really clear cut with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, for one, I didn't have any other choices. This is the, so I went to Nova recovery and it was the, the first time that I went to a facility on my own. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my best friends, Steven, he's one of my best friends today. He, he, he set that wheel in motion. He said he saw something in me. Um, whenever, so coming out of that haze that I told you about, that bar, when I started drinking that Patron, um, I got kicked out of the house, my mom's house. She said she never want to talk to me, never want to see me again. Um, and I, I took the little money I had left and, and I Googled sober living near me. And I went into this, this facility, um, called Udomania down here in Austin. So it's a sober apartments. And I, I still smelled like alcohol. So this guy, Steven's like, you can't, I can't let you into my fucking sober living. You can't even pass a drug test, bro. You know, and this guy's got tattoos, been to prison. Um, and so there's these three other people in the room, um, the COO, the CEO, and like the the uh, the director of operations, the CEO, and then the COO of Briarwood Detox. And these individuals, each one of their offices is in a different part So it's very Mm -hmm. rare that they're all three in the same office. I'm like, these are fucking three counselors. Like, I don't know. So they, they, they bring me in there and they say, Jeff, you really want help. And I'm crying. I'm like, I cannot fucking stop drinking. And it, what, the, what I'm explaining, I've never picked up a, a book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know what, what what's in that book, and so I'm explaining everything. That's what's in Bill's story. I'm explaining everything to the fucking t. And they got these smiles on their faces, almost like kind of laughing, like we get it, we understand, you know what I mean. And then they they sit me out, and the, all their windows are glass, and um, they pull me back in like 20 minutes later. And then this this, this lady, Colleen, she she goes, she goes, Jeff, we want to help you because we see some desperation in you that, that, that we don't see often. And uh, so Colleen gives me this sticky note and it's an address to a detox. And I'm like, I don't have any money. And she goes, I didn't ask you if, if you had any fucking money. And they're talking to me like, like cut through, like they, they're just, they're just uh, some amazing people in recovery that help people and they're in a position to do so. And uh, she goes, Jeff, I, I didn't ask you that. She goes, if you want help drive, drive here. I'm driving up and down that street. I drive 10 minutes. I'm on the phone with my mom trying to manipulate my way back home. You know, Mm. she's like, you can't come home. Like you're you're gone. Like, I don't want nothing to do with you. So I go to this detox and I'm there for two weeks and uh, it's a detox. And I wasn't detoxing after three or four days. And then, but I had to be there for a certain amount of time in order to go to their next program. Um, and they actually, they gave me a counselor and they don't give people counselors and detox. Yeah. I was getting special treatment from the RIP and I didn't know I was. They had one of their counselors would pick me up and drive me to a meeting and at a detox. I'm not in uh IOP, PHP. I'm not at a residential. So this is unheard of. Then they gave me, um, so anyway, so then I go into their sober living. Everything's fine. I'm working for my friend. I'm like two months sober, never picked up a big book, never went to an AA meeting. I was just going to the gym every day. And then this is, I go, uh, I go to, I'm working with my buddy, Teddy, uh, uh, Teddy Motorsports, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, so he tells me, gives me his card and he goes, Hey, Jeff, go to, uh, um, I want you to go to the gas station, Get me a pack of cigarettes and a five hour energy. And I got a five-hour energy. And this is when I truly started to understand that it's not just drugs and alcohol. I took that five-hour energy. And within 10 minutes, I'm going back and I'm getting another one. Mm. Within an hour, I've had like four or five-hour energies. I feel like I'm fucking cracked out. And then on the way home, I went and took my drug test. And then I went and got a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Mm. Within two hours, I'm at the club doing cocaine. I stumble in and Steven, the guy that was there when that original meeting, he's laughing. I'm fucking like dying. I'm hung over. I'm white as a ghost. Been doing drugs all night. And I'm like, I'm like, and he goes, I've been waiting for this. He goes, you haven't done shit. And he goes, Jeff, you want to try some treatment? And I said, I said, man, I don't have any, I don't have any money. He goes, I didn't fucking ask you. I said, do you want to try some treatment, Jeff? And, and then, and then, I said, Stephen, I've been incarcerated. I, for five years, I've been away for, I never, I wasn't there for my nephew's birth. Um, I was actually in, in, in a facility and they let me go see him in the hospital for about an hour. I wasn't there for my brother's wedding. I wasn't there for his bachelor party. Um, I, so for five years, for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and uh, Halloween, I was in an institution. Five years, that would have been my sixth year. And I told Stephen, I said, Stephen, can I please, can I, this was October 23rd, no October. Yeah. October 24th, the morning of October 24th, 2017. And, uh, and I said, Stephen, can I, can I go to treatment the first of January? And he starts fucking laughing. I'm just dead serious. And, uh, so he he goes, Jeff, let me tell you. And I explained it to him why I said, I have, I, my, 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 my nephew's almost four, you know, and I haven't, or three, I think. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't really been in his life. I've never been to his birthday. And, uh, and I, I'm like, well, I haven't been home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And, and he goes, Jeff, he goes, if you get sober, I promise you, you will never miss another holiday for the rest of your fucking life. I was in a life beat me into a corner. And I said, yeah. Um, and he drove me an hour to this treatment facility in Wimberley. Just drove me. He's one of my best friends now. He's also my direct supervisor. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I went to Nova Recovery and I went for 90 days and uh, I did everything they fucking said. I'm very institutionalized. You tell me to be in bed at 945, bro. At 940, my head's on the pillow, lights out. Like I'm very institutionalized. I could follow rules better than, than anybody on this planet, um, especially when there's structure involved. So I was the model client. And the thing is, for me, is I didn't know if I was faking it to making it or I was sincere. Because I, 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 I'm so institutionalized. Like I could I could do whatever I need to do to get an extra hour at, on the rec yard, you know, where I know how to get extra food. So I got to, my bed's got to be on point. So I got, I'm about halfway in and I'm, I sit back and I'm like, am I manipulating my way through this? Or am I actually doing this work? And my recovery, she goes, Jeff, just keep fucking doing it. Something's gonna click, and uh, something clicked. Something fucking clicked. About how long in you think? The last three weeks. Last how three weeks. How long were you of- there? Huh? Ninety days. Ninety days. <laughs> last three weeks. Everything. It's like connecting the dots, bro. I'll never forget it, and just, just like that. And one of the biggest things that i, I talked about at the beginning what of this you were podcast, doing was you were working the steps, you yes, were doing therapy, exactly. you were doing everything working <laughs> the steps, but the it's it's a fucking work man yeah. like that that's exactly is is I could give the reason, and this is the biggest reason why there's a sick man's prayer. Remember I told you at the beginning of of this podcast that if I ever see my father, I was gonna kill him because of what he did to me and my brother and sister, yeah, and uh that resentment was so rooted like I'm talking fucking rooted. And, uh, throughout this process, I've learned to replace resentments with love and compassion, but that was, I was like, I'm never going to fuck that dude. I'm not going to get over that resentment, you know? Um, and I'm at this Koi pond and I'm practicing this sick man's prayer. And I'm like, my father, you know, George Platt, uh, was a sick man. Please help me show him the same patience, pity, and tolerance that I would cheerfully show a sick friend. And now my perception started shifting. I didn't know what my father, I didn't know what happened to him when he was a kid. Mm. My father never had the opportunity to get help. So now my perception, now I'm viewing my father as as, a, as somebody that's sick. I'm not mad at him no more. You know? Yeah. So that's when I started to get freedom. When my perception and my mindset started shifting in life.
0: And whenever you started to be able to let go of those resentments which is like what what do they say the number one offender or like the Absolutely. number one reason we it's gonna it's gonna take you
1: out yeah it will it's like when somebody has that much power over you nobody yeah. should have nobody living rent-free
0: in your head that your dad was living rent-free in your head for Absolutely. years and years
1: you know and he died of uh, uh i think stage four lung cancer or something like that smoked cigars and and uh i got to see him on his deathbed you know, and I wasn't mad at him. Mm. Uh, you know, it was, yeah, what he did was fucked up. It was foul. It was something sure, no, no child should ever experience. But it's like I used to be into you cut me off whenever I'm driving. I'm going to get fucking like I, it just pisses me off. Like, dude, you're a fucking asshole. Fuck you. You know, like, but now if somebody cuts me off. I'm like, man, maybe his son just overdosed on heroin. and He's rushing to the hospital because he's on life support. Maybe his wife's having his firstborn and he's just wigging out trying to get to the hospital. So he's driving crazy. I'm not resentful. So when that perception and mindset shifted shifts, it it, it just like you see things through a different lens. Mm. My thoughts manifest emotions and my emotions manifest actions. If I could stop that snowball effect of fuckery from my thought process, well then nine times out of 10, it's never going to surface into a shit show. You know, and all this is a practice. You know, it's being a man in recovery, you're literally, we're rewiring our brain the way it's been working for 30 fucking years, you know, and hustling and fucking people over and manipulating like that. That's all I knew. You know what I mean? And so it's like transitioning everything into something good. uh, It's been a challenge, but it's been a great, great challenge. Um, And I've, I've fallen in love with the process, you know, so- but that's when I first started getting freedom. When I'll never forget it, it was almost like I took off a weighted vest, like I just did like the Mike Murph challenge, you know, and I had that 20-pound weighted vest on. It's right, you take that off and it just drops, and your whole body just almost I will never forget it ever. And that was my first experience with holy shit, this works. Oof. And it made me hungry. I wanted more. And that's whenever, yeah, I, I dove into the work and over, you know, uh, uh, four years, a little over about four and a a little over four years, there's been ebb and flow. Absolutely. You know, I'm a human being. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I, I falling in love with the process has been really important to me. So Jeff, what was it like
0: after getting out of treatment or what was it like at treatment? What was it like whenever you were doing a lot of people don't know what the fourth and fifth step are. Can you share what that is taking a personal moral inventory of yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. In five, Uh, you're admitting it in front of God and somebody else.
1: So Um, in a nutshell, you're really, you're taking a look at yourself. Was Uh, that a big
0: moment for you in treatment? It was hard. The fourth and fifth step.
1: Four steps so hard. Yeah. That's why a lot of people don't get past it because that's when the rubber hits the road. Yeah. That's when you put pen to paper. Yeah. And you could, I I tell you, you could manipulate, you can manipulate your way through steps one, two, and three. Um, but whenever it comes to putting pen to paper and truly, truly looking at the way you've showed up and the wreckage that you've caused over the years, um, that's a tough pill to swallow.
0: What is that process for people? When you take someone
1: through it, what, what is that that you do for someone? So, you know, I'm not gonna get too much into it. Sure. Um, just because no, you actually, know. that's the fifth step. So fourth step, what did you do for yourself? You 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 take you you take care of all the resentments in your resentments. life. Okay. Uh people, places, and things. Yeah. Um, whether it's penitentiary guards, whether it's my father, um, um, people that you love. People that might have hurt you that you hold a resentment towards. Yeah. Yeah. But at, in this book, it talks about we set the ball rolling. Nine times out of ten, if I look deep enough and if I'm honest with myself, I started that shit.
0: Hmm.
1: It's like <sighs> Let me give you an example. One of my employees a long time ago uh, would leave early, five minutes early. And I got on his ass in a loving way. Yeah. But I used to do that shit. Now I have the audacity. You know what I mean? So, so it's like your approach needs to be different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, And so, so, so what I'm getting at. So with this, with this four-step process um, in a nutshell, you're, 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 You're taking care of these rooted resentments. Like right now, if, if, can you think of somebody to where you just feel that in your, in your chest, see that, that is what you're taking care of to where you could think of that individual and you're okay. It it doesn't, it doesn't have any type of power control over you because these resentments, uh, they'll eat you alive, whether it's. Somebody that uh, did harm to you, whether it's a father, uh, whether you've had some type of early toxicity from uh, uh, your childhood that you never asked for, those things eat you alive. Yeah. I used to think before
0: I found, before I went to treatment and, and did the 12 steps in treatment, um, I, I don't think I got the experience that I'm about to go get. um, But the, the thing that I feel like I, I found was like, oh my gosh, I'm way more resentful than I thought. I don't outwardly show it towards people. Most times I bottle it up, but uh, those resentments, those things that I've held on to those hurts, pains, like I, I held, I held resentment to these kids that bullied me yeah. early on and it was eating at me still
1: 20 years later. It's blocking you off. Mm. Okay. What I mean by that. So all this, this internal calamity that, that you're uh, experiencing and, and that you're describing all these resentments, it's blocking you off from being connected to something that's higher than yeah. yourself.
0: That was a really powerful part of, for me personally of my fifth step was letting that go of my resentment towards those kids that, that told me what I would go through in my cycle of addiction whenever I would use. And then I would feel suicidal at this moment where I was at a, I went to a costume party and these kids, uh, I I was the only one dressed up. And basically they said, you're, you're not good enough to come to my party. You're worthless. You should just kill yourself. And so when I would go through my own depression, that became my own self-talk. There'd be, you're, you're worthless. You're not good enough. You should just kill yourself. And it was crazy to think like letting that go. I, I haven't been, I haven't been in that place. Um, in, in relapses since, you know, at least that fifth step where I haven't had that same talk of you're worthless. You're not good enough. You should kill yourself. I hasn't gone all three of those. So mm. I did find freedom in at least that with those kids that, that were so relentlessly basically torturing me with bullying. Yeah, And so that, that was something for people that, that have some sort of judgment towards say the 12 step program or, or because maybe they had a bad experience, or maybe they just heard bad things about it. Like what is, without even thinking of that, what is, what is the 12 steps done for you personally?
1: It's so, so this is the thing. So everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Right. Um, Your opinion of me is none of my fucking business. I, I woke up this morning and I didn't obsess over drugs and alcohol. Mm. I could go through my day and look myself in the mirror and be happy with the man I am today. That's what the 12 steps has done for me. I could give two shits if how if people think about it or it's a cold or it's this and that. I'm not fucking down drowning in a ball of jack today. Mm. So it, it, that's what it's done for me. It's been a process, um absolutely. But th- th- this I truly wish anybody on this earth could work a 12-step program. It just so happened to be that the 12 steps got tailored for people specifically with substance abuse and alcoholism. Okay. So real quick though. So anybody that's struggling in life, if they worked each, all 12 steps thoroughly and honestly, their life's going to change dramatically. Because all it does is it's teaching people how to be a good human and get rid with the with these old habits and implement new habits in their life by taking a look at self, identifying where I could be better and setting a corrective measure for the following day. Mm. That's really all it is.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. I know that I know that the times that I'm really practicing the 10th step and there's been times I've called you and I've I've been going through something and, uh, you know, you've You help me see myself, right? What's that? How how did you say that one time? Self can't see self.
1: Self can't see self. It's my, my ego, my ego is almost fucking killed me. Um, and I'm very transparent with, with where I have been at in my life and my ego with the success it showed in multiple areas and it's almost killed me. Um, but I have, cause self can't see self. My best friends, one of my, my best friends, Tony, um, he's a peer recovery coach. Uh, he owns Badass Recovery. Um, he is a phenomenal human being. And he, he'll call me, bro. And he'll be like, you might want to take that post down because I don't see it. And then I reread it from, 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 you know, from the uh, direction he gives me his, uh, his advice. And I'm like, fuck, let me delete that. Um, it's, it's the fellowship and it's my brothers and it, it it's my, uh, friends in recovery or just my friends in general that know how to hold me accountable. Mm. Um, not from a place of better than, but just from a place of love. Uh, Cause they don't want to see me getting a wreck and they definitely don't want to see me fucking overdose. And they definitely don't want to see me die from cirrhosis of the liver, mm. um, without accountability. Now they're just enablers.
0: Right. And, and so through the 12 steps, you do find a way that, Someone else is holding you accountable and also you are holding yourself accountable through those, those 10 steps, those nightlies where you just do this kind
1: of, kind of this daily review. Yeah. You get a daily reprieve. Yeah. And uh, so the biggest thing is is I'm so bad at fucking doing my nightlies. I haven't done one in a long time and fucking Steven's probably going to kick my ass for that. But the thing is, is whenever I sit and I sit in silence a lot, Um, I, I, I meditate more today than I probably ever meditated in my life, and a lot of people don't know I do because whenever I just see an opportunity to sit in silence, I shut the fuck up, I put my phone down, and I just sit there. Mm. And whenever I truly sit in silence, I could see, I could comb through my day, and I'm like, man, I should, I should probably apologize or make amends for that. Um, and everything starts coming to surface, and I could see where um, I fell short. You know, it's the self awareness. Uh, uh, Becoming mindful throughout this process and being so self-aware of my actions and and it, it's it's been really challenging. Uh, over the the past six months, of my life has been, I've had it was been more challenging than the almost the four years before that. Um, because yeah, man, you started
0: a you started a business. I, I grew up with two parents that were both business owners, and pretty much everyone in my family. And man, like starting it. That's such a stressful time and moving. I know you've been, you've, you've been, yeah. Starting a business that's just—it's doing so good, man. It it's is. helping so many people, yeah. and you've moved and just just lots of yeah. stuff. Well, man. we have the and sober responsibilities. We yeah,
1: also have uh, uh, the boxing program for Infinite Recovery. Right, I still work with them. So is I have my hand in, in a good bit of cookie Was jars. Infinite
0: Nova Nova Infinite No. No, 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 Those
1: no. Different so different places. They're totally, totally two different, different okay. places. Yeah. Uh, two amazing places. Right. Um. You know. Uh. I o. Um. My infinite recovery family and everybody that that is involved with those programs and the detox and the PHP IOP the residential, their team is just by far amazing. Uh, Nova is where I went, and, and Nova set that wheel in motion. Right. Um, Nova saved my life uh, with a couple of specific individuals that that guided me to Nova. Right, that's awesome. Yes.
0: Well, tell me about black sheep. Where was the, where'd the vision start? Where did you start boxing? And then how did you start helping others? box?
1: So it's a, it's a, it's, it's very interesting story. Um, so I boxed on and off, uh, my entire childhood. Um, but I did it for the wrong reasons. I did it because I wanted people to fear me. Um, I did it for the validation. I didn't do it because I wanted to learn the art you know, of the fundamentals of boxing, um, to understand weight transition, all the good stuff. I did it because I wanted people to view me a specific way. That was the only fucking reason. And then soon uh, I got tied up and, uh, every time I would register to actually truly get involved in competing, my alcoholism would, I'd take one step forward and 50 million thousand steps backwards. And then I'd start boxing again. And then, I, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was tough. So anyway, so there was probably about an eight year gap uh, where I didn't touch boxing gloves in and out of, you know, all the institutions and, and the penitentiary and all, all the good stuff. And then, so it all comes about, Um I'm with my, one of my best friends now, Tony, I'm working for Recovery Unplugged and it was my first job in treatment. I'm about six months sober Um, and, uh, my buddy Ray Price. Okay. He's, he's, he's an amazing individual. He's one of my closest friends. I'm living down South in a sober living house. And then I go to, he, I found out he lived right down the street off South first street and and I call him up and he's like, bro, got to come over, man. I just got a house. You know, he's not in the program. Uh, he's just a very healthy individual, very successful. And uh, I'm over there and uh, and he's like, hey, I'm I'm going to academy. Do you want to go with me? And I'm like, yeah, cool. And uh, he, he knew me in my addiction, you know, so he supported me getting sober and all the good stuff. And uh, on the way there, I'm like, what are you getting? And this is how it all fucking started. I remember like it was yesterday. He said, he goes, I'm going to get a speed bag and a heavy bag. So, like, all right, cool, man. I haven't touched the gloves in a long time. And. And uh you know he's an entrepreneur and a lot of people don't know this about me but before I got sober I owned a very successful clothing line. I'm not going to get too far in, into it but we were in six stores on on consignment not on contract. Uh it was it was alcohol infused and it was so I I I I've, I've always been an entrepreneur. And so me and him he's a successful entrepreneur and so we of course now we're Talking about ideas, let's paint the fucking walls black, and and I'm like, man, I could we could start training in the garage. And first, we were doing it specifically just for us two, and then uh, a good buddy of mine that I worked with at Recovery Unplugged, he he was uh, my my buddy Christian, he was uh, a little on the heavier side, and he and so in penitentiary this last time, all I did was study metabolism, uh, kinesiology, um, vitamins, minerals, recommended daily allowance, um, how to. Uh, meal, meal prep and meal plan, depending on, you know, how, what kind of body type. you had. All I did was study. So how I made a living in prison is I would develop workout programs and meal programs for individuals, depending on what kind of money they have coming in on their commissary. So I would help inmates lose weight before, they're, before they get released from prison. And that's how I made a living in prison. I was, I was very good at it. And so, I, huh. and, 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 and Christian knew this about me. Yeah. And I have, I studied these books. All I did sure. was play chess, jump rope, and study in prison. My mom sent me, I'm talking so many fucking books on vitamins, nutrition. and So anyway, so Christian knew this about me. And uh, he's like, I want to help you lose weight. And I'm like, cool, man. Well, you know what? We got a bag. So let's take a boxing approach. And, uh, so over his time, he just kept going. He lost about 80 pounds.
0: 80 pounds. 80 pounds. 80 pounds through boxing.
1: A- 80 pounds. And he
0: was in recovery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was in recovery, yeah. but the, not just the boxing, like everything that I suggested for him, uh, whenever it came to tips and tricks for portion control, um, understanding, you know, uh, uh, uh just carbohydrates and, and, and a specific, just, I'm talking, we dove into it and he took everything that I told him. And then he did his own studying on top of that. You can't ask for a more perfect client. And it was my first one. Yeah. And, and he just, and now he still got the weight off. He's an amazing individual, still helping people. And that's when it started and people saw his weight falling off. And then, uh, it just started growing. And so we named it Warrior Boy Boxing and, uh, we were training out of a garage. Uh, at one point we've got pictures on, on, on our gym now. At one point we had, 15 people in this garage all doing jumping jacks at 7 p.m. Running a class all in the driveway. Of course, HOA shuts us down. Of mm. course. And we were growing so fast. So then from there, we were figured out, you know, what, what are we going to do? Um, so from there, um, I heard Mentopolis Rec Center. They had a boxing ring and stuff. So I took the program there. I'm still working in treatment. So my entire life is meetings. I work eight hours at a treatment facility as a tech before and after my shift. I'm training people at this rec center, um, one-on-ones, running groups. Um, I There was no life. And I did that. I was in that um, facility for about five, about five months. And then they closed down. So then, uh, every, I mean, we had some good momentum. So I started training people in a field in Zilker Park and i'm making a a cool spot to do it yeah it's still working in treatment people don't
0: know uh that's austin's like premier park yes it's in the city on a lake uh in downtown but it's in nature and it's right by barton springs and it's it's an incredible spot so to go boxing with all that beauty and in nature like that's well those are down i love to go work out there Uh, what's that bags yeah, yeah. yeah, There's no bags. So, There's no, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's got to bring all their equipment
1: to the yeah. park. Well, so we had to, sh- so I'm holding pads and you know about this. I'm holding pads for hours on end while I'm working in treatment, shoulders are shot. I had to switch up maybe a more hit, hit style training, you know, battle ropes, all the good stuff. Um, and then finally I went to a garage, uh, my buddy, Andrew, um, I got another job at infinite recoveries, detox, this is probably about a year after the program has been alive. I've just been, I've been grinding. This is seven days a week, Justin. This isn't, there's no days off. Seven days a week, I'm training people. Um, and it's just, and I started training. I started charging $80 a month for four sessions a week. Of course now, but I started at the, just a give, 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 give. Anyway, so uh, I got a job at Infinite Recovers Detox. And then I started, then my, my good friend, Andrew, he said, Jeff, I uh, I need to I need to move into a house, you know, started saving up. Um, and then from there, um, started training out of his garage in Georgetown. I had the delusion, I'm going from South Austin, Georgetown. Nobody's gonna follow me. I'm gonna fucking nobody's gonna wanna participate. And everywhere I went, it just kept growing and kept growing. Um, he HOA kicked kicked yeah. me out of his garage <laughs> so then i'm trying to find a solution and my good buddy ryan ryan spencer he's the director
0: i know Ryan was um, great huh ryan helped me with uh chris murphy yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Smile, yeah. you know Ryan. Smile, chris. So, ryan the,
1: um, <laughs> so ryan he's the um national director of alumni for ru he's a very good buddy of mine He, he was like jeb he, he, he's cool as shit and he was like yeah I'd come over man and fucking take the garage he's got a brand new house and i'm like you sure Ryan, like, are you sure? Like, there's going to be a lot of traffic. And he's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. So I converted this garage. And every time I built these gyms in this garage, and when I say built, matted floors, custom paint, TVs, multiple heavy bags, um, assault bikes. Like, no, we didn't just put up a heavy bag. Like, we really decorated it. Wow. Posters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked, if you look on our social media, you can't tell. You can tell it's a garage, but it's like some money went into these, into these projects. And um, so I'm like, all right. So then I'm at his house for about seven months, seven days a week. At this point, I'm, not, I'm only doing one-on-ones uh, and specifically working with people with mental health and substance abuse. Um, I actually have to backtrack because it was Warrior Boy Boxing. And then after the rec center, when I went to Zilker Park, Ray couldn't dedicate his time anymore. So then I, I was working at in treatment. And everybody always says, I feel like the black sheep in my family when they get out of detox. Mm. So that's where black sheep boxing came from. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I'll keep his name um, anonymous, but he was in treatment and we're having a conversation. I'm thinking of a name to call this boxing program because it was Warrior Boy Boxing before Ray. He got an amazing job opportunity. Sure. So he uh, he kept moving on. And um, he was telling me, yeah, I just feel like the black sheep in my family. And then just like, that's it. Mm. That's it. Black sheet boxing. And uh, I pitched it to, I pitched it to a facility. I'm not going to say which one. Yeah, And they pretty much laughed at me. Turn it down. Oh yeah. And it, it, it motivated me so much. And so anyway, so back to the, the third garage, I'm there for about six, seven months. And guess what? HOA. HOA sends Ryan a letter and he's just like, I love you, bro. Um, but I mean, it, it it looked like a fucking trap house. Yeah, There was people coming in every hour at the top of every hour. Um, I probably
0: worry some neighbors, even if they have boxing gloves. Yeah.
1: And it's, well, <laughs> uh, I was working with uh, uh, one of the neighbor's kids. Yeah. So, but it was you know, somebody, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, all it was, again, it's my perception, my mindset, right? The universe has just been redirected me where I need to be. Hmm. And every time HOA kicked me out, I was pissed. Because I was in fear that I'm going to fail by making changes because these changes involve risk. A lot of people don't want to take a risk, especially mm. when it comes to finances. Yeah. But now that I look at it on the timeline of things, the universe has just been redirecting me, redirecting me, redirecting me, redirecting me to where I'm here now. So in the middle of all that, of course, um, a, a treatment facility reached out to me, Stephen, he, he's the director of operations. And he, uh, I was working at the detox and he said, Jeff, would you like to bring boxing to treatment? And I said, absolutely. Like, that's my fucking goal. And he knew it. And I yeah. was like, and he goes, good. We're opening up an all men's or a men's and women's facility in Liberty Hill on a 99 acre ranch and uh, have at it. And uh, it's been amazing. And wow. uh, I actually just built. Isn't this the
0: first, first combat sports or go ahead. It's the first it?
1: boxing, program boxing program for an inpatient treatment facility in the United States.
0: First boxing program mm-hmm. for an inpatient treatment drug facility. treatment mm-hmm. facility, drug and alcohol, substance abuse treatment facility in the United States. Correct. That's a huge accomplishment, my man. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and it gets better. Yeah. You Keep know, going. and, and um, we just built a boxing ring. We've got six heavy bags on a track system. Uh, there at Infinite? Yeah. Cool. We've got the countless beautiful stories, stories. And there's a lot of death too. I mean, I've experienced a lot of death, um, yeah. but there's 10 times more beautiful stories than there are from overdoses. Yeah. And uh, so anyway um, from there from, from, when Ryan kicked me out of the garage, I didn't know what I was going to do. So the owners of big tech's gym, Robin Esther, amazing individuals. They own a, a gym up North and uh, they were looking for a boxing coach to train at their facility. And the funny thing One is- One of the best
0: gyms in Austin. Yes. With yeah. like the, the big boys, the, 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 the actual pro, yeah. like world-class level bodybuilders mm-hmm. that, you know, they're traps.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're, they, don't, they're, they don't have a neck.
0: Yeah. Their, their ear lobes sit on top of their- The Hulk. Yeah, yeah. The
1: Hulk. And uh, they're amazing individuals, but th- this is how the universe works. Um, they were fixing to call me, to talk to me about bringing me on board- the minute I was looking for a new place. So I called Rob and Esther, Rob and Esther knew me when I was in my addiction. And uh, actually one of the owners would write me in prison, Andrew, uh, one of the owners of big techs. And I was good friends with Josiah, Rob's younger brother. And they'd write me whenever I was incarcerated. So anyway, so they saw my story and they saw how well I was doing. So I called Rob and Esther and Esther was, she, she goes, Jeff, we were just talking about you. We were just fixing to reach out to you. So I come into Big Tech's gym and I've, I've been saving every penny for almost three years now. I'm driving a 99 Honda Accord. I don't spend money on stuff. I'm sponsored by a meal prep company. Um, so I didn't pay for food like every penny. I paid rent, cell phone bill. I'm saving, 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 saving um, because I knew one day that I was going to open up a gym. And uh, so I'm in Big tech November 18th is when I started training there. Um, by the end of, by December 1st, I bought a $10,000 boxing ring and we just made it fit. They got this huge <laughs> gym and there's just a random USA boxing pro boxing ring in the middle of this fucking strongman gym. It was so random. And, uh, the program really started to grow. Um, and my best friend, Sky, um, we've known each other since nineties. He's, he's one of the closest people that are in my life. has been there with me through anything. He owns a gym. His family owns a gym that called Unity Taekwondo for, it'll be 30 years now, but he took it over 13 years ago and it's Unity Taekwondo and MMA. I've got the money and I've got the clientele, but I don't know what to do. Like I'm a, I'm a recovering drug addict that spent most of my life incarcerated. You know, I don't, I don't know the systems and taxes and CPAs I'm learning, you know, so I call him and he's in uh new Houston. Bronzeville. Oh yeah. He's in new Bronzeville looking for some property because he's like Houston. He's just tapped out. He's had a gym there for, you know, for a long time. He loves it there, but he needs something new. And, uh, I made a joke. I was like, sky going to business with me. And he's like done. Like he's dead fucking serious, man. And within an hour, we're torn properties. I shit you not. Wow. um, and uh, we just kept searching and searching and lo and behold, the property right next to big tech's gym, this empty church wasn't even on the market. We got an inside a scoop about it and uh, we signed a five-year lease. Yeah. That's and awesome. That's I, where I train now. Yeah. And I took this, this, this $10,000 pro boxing ring. I put it into this facility and then me and sky each went to our bank accounts. We didn't get a loan, nothing. We're not in debt. It's, yeah i am extremely grateful and the thing is is i didn't know what i was saving for but i knew and the timeline of everything it's the universe everything if any if if some of these things was one day away i wouldn't be here where i am today mm. and i owe all this because i'm i'm an alcoholic wow
0: well jeff i'm so grateful for your like your, your perspective, right? You've, you've, you've obviously done a lot of internal deep work, <laughs> yeah, a work to go from just like being institutionalized, as you've said, to like having this perspective of like looking at all the pieces, being able to, in hindsight, seeing all the things that had to fall into place to now open a gym that how many members do we have at black sheet boxing? Now?
1: Uh, we're right under 200. Yeah. Yeah. So in five I'm,
0: months. in five months. Mm-hmm. So this is a new, I mean, it's not a new team, a new gym, but it's five months at its new
1: facility. And,
0: yeah. so uh, I
1: get, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, so it's the first 24 hour combat sport facility in the United States. And what I mean by that, um, all my staff is composed of recovering alcoholics and recovering drug addicts. Um, a couple of trainers aren't, but the main front desk staff, yeah. um, my, my pad holders, boxing coaches, my assistant manager, myself um, are all in recovery. Um, we have a Fight for Your Life program where we scholarship about two to three people a month, uh, maybe every month and a half. Uh, we pay for all their training, all their gear, absolutely everything that, that they need um, as long as they're doing what they need to do to stay sober. Um, we have a 24 hour door. So, um, anybody that's struggling with substance abuse, if they want to shoot dope or go to the bar, um, they have access to come in and hit the heavy bag. Doesn't matter if it's 2am, 3am, 4am, all they got to do is scan their barcode. Hmm. Um, and it's pretty fucking amazing because a lot of this stuff, I didn't know what I was doing, but I had this very clear vision four years, three and a half years ago to develop a boxing program for the recovery community. And so, to kind of solidify everything, a lot of people say, Jeff, why boxing? Um, and the, there's a million reasons why um, combat sports helps cope with PTSD, anxiety, um, mental health, and substance abuse. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you the top two that, that I explain to everybody whenever I really get into these conversations is, one, it's the most natural way to ground yourself. Um, for a man that struggles with uh mental health and substance abuse, I'm always in the future. I'm in the past. It, it it's very rare that I'm truly living in the here and now and I'm living in the moment um, because I, I'm th- the finances, the bills, the business, um, the members, the relationship, the job, the the, the programs, the this, the that, 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 the this. So whenever I wrap my hands, Justin, I get in front of another human being, whether we're doing some 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 technical sparring or we're just doing some heavy bag work, some pad work, I get to detach from all that outside issues. And then and without me literally trying to ground myself, I ground myself. I do it. It's inevitable. You can't not train in some type of combat sport while while you're obsessing or you're in the shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, whenever you're getting punches thrown at you, you are not thinking about. The argument you had with no your, I'm your, to know, to yeah yeah you're not thinking about uh you know what you know what your boss said or yeah. anything like that you're you're there in that moment and that's what I I love being in the flow during an actual MMA fight because there's nothing like it you are so in that moment reading everything he's doing it's almost like it's it's Part you're, you're thinking every single thing through and part you've put in all the preparation that now you just get to get in that flow and it's muscle memory, it's reaction, it's yeah. prediction. You're it's,
1: living in the yeah. present. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not,
0: and for an addict, right? Yeah. You know, you're, you're either living in regret of the past or fear of the future. Yes. And so you can't be here now. Correct. Because yeah. you're worried about where you're okay. going to be in the future and you're regretting all the shit. Yeah. that, that from the past, if you're not working a program and, yeah. and, and getting help and going to therapy and doing good things for your body. And so I love it, man. I I do want to share that, you know, Century Martial Arts is one of my friends and yeah. uh, they've been donors of Fight for the Forgotten. And when we went up to Oklahoma for you to help me move back, uh, we got to go up there and yeah. take a tour and meet with uh, the founder's son, who's going to be taking it over. and And it's just, uh, eventually, and he's such an incredible guy. Uh, Michael Dillard um, and Mikey Dillard and Kyle and Paul and all these guys. And they were so encouraged to see you, bro, because they couldn't believe that in like two it was less than two months. Yeah, we
1: had that, that 120.
0: Yeah, 120 members, mm-hmm. and you guys are about to break 200. And they were telling you that they've been working with martial arts academies that have been in business more than 10 years and can't break 100. Yeah. You know, they're at 35. They're at 50 and they're just trying to get
1: members. Well, I, f- I truly think it's because we're in the business of helping people. Oh, yeah, dude. You That's know, exactly so what I was about to say. In all transparency, Sky owns a gym. He's got a source of income. Yeah, I developed boxing programs for, and I still work in treatment. I have a, a great job that pays for all my bills. So we don't rely on black sheep boxing. to, to, to we, we don't take any money out. Everything that goes into this gym, we invest. We invest to our clients. We invest into helping people. And and a lot of people have told me that it shows and Mm -hmm. it's attractive because we're purpose-driven. We're a purpose-driven gym. And I haven't, we have not said no to anybody that has walked through our door that wants to train. And what I mean by that, when somebody, I, I give out more free memberships. Then then I could count, and, and I don't just do it and I go tell people. It's more like so I could I could see they're struggling. I'm like, hey man, hey this month don't worry about it, and let me know when you get back on your feet. I had a buddy, I'm not going to say his name, came in two days ago or no about four days ago, and he told one of my staff members that he's struggling um, because one of my coaches, one of my coaches, paid his day pass. And then he called me and he goes, hey, man, so-and-so was struggling. And I, I was like, what, well, did he pay a day pass? He goes, well, I took care of it for him. And then I messaged him on social media and I said, bro, show up and train. Don't okay. worry about nothing. And when you get back on your feet, you can let us know. And, and that's just one example. And it's like, when I first started this stuff, one of my mentors, um, you know, Tony Jeffries, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 good, good, he's a good, good, he's a good friend, dude. and he's just good people. He told me he, he whenever I talked to him, I was I was out in Florida for one of the uh, boxing burning for people
0: academies. who don't know. Tony Jeffries was an Olympic bronze medalist in yes. boxing, I think he retired undefeated or uh, something like that, or maybe somewhere not, around there. It was like yeah. 10 or 20 and know but he, he had a bunch of hand injuries and other things, phenomenal and so, individual. And and he's just he, he's actually an on it pro guy with me, he's yeah. sponsored by on it, and he's. He helped you even inspire you to start up uh, black sheep and all that stuff.
1: When I met Tony, I was still training at the rec center. Wow. And so Tony seen it all. And it, that anyway, that program set the wheel in motion, but there's so many amazing things happening. Sure. But Tony told me, he goes, give, 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 and don't fucking stop giving until the universe gives back. Wow. And that's been my business motto. Literally, people think I'm fucking crazy. And my my business partner, uh, Allison, which is Sky's wife, mm-hmm. she's like the glue that holds it all together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's an amazing human being. She she, she makes is. sure we pay our taxes and don't end up in jail. But she'll tell us, Hey, you really gotta stop giving shit away. You know, like even Sky when his gym out there, because like, we just don't give a fuck. Like, of course we pay the bills, but every time we seem to give some or help somebody, um, we run a free shoe program. Anybody under the age of like 14 that needs free boxing shoes. I've
0: seen you give away 20. Pairs of, yeah, of boxing it, it, shoes that it, are, that are brand new yeah, that yeah. maybe were returned or whatever, but they send them to y'all because they know it's going to be put to good use. To a good home. Those return those returns they give them to you. Now you're going to give them to a kid whose family's struggling with addiction, or the kid. Um, we, we can. It's it, all case it's okay, by I, case. Is yeah. it right uh, to remain nameless, but to share a story of one of the young young men that are at at Black Sheep Boxing? Absolutely. Um, that he was a refugee, and can you share? Oh that, man. Is that okay?
1: Yeah. That, that's just powerful. Uh from Syria. Yeah. Uh lived in an apartment complex two streets away or something like that. Yeah. Lived in a house with I think he 10, 12, 13 people. Um, all of his little brothers. Um, he had two of his little brothers uh got blown up in car bombs. Yeah. Witnessed it all. Yeah. And this little kid will sit here and and tell you with no emotion. He talks about it like he's talking about um an incident that happened at recess. It's fucking morbid. Um, Amazing, talented young man. Oh,
0: dude, I love being around him. Yeah. I love being around him. I light light up when I see him. He works hard. He encourages people. He's happy to be here. There, Like Black Sheep is his place. That's his home. That's his his community.
1: Yeah. He showed up before we were even open. We were literally, we were painting the walls. We were still doing demo work. And he (laughs) showed up and he just hung out, man. And he's he's been there ever since he actually hasn't been around for a while because of okay. school, oh yeah, and his parents are really strict, summer. but every now and then he'll pop back in yeah. but for about three months, man, he lived there oh and, he lived there uh, the whole summer the whole yeah. summer he was there yeah, and we don't fucking charge him you know yeah, like, sure uh
0: and, but it, I think people need to know whether they're in recovery or or they're going through something like that a young young kid that watched his, his siblings yeah, yeah. die in a car bomb yeah or anybody in life. We need to have a place that we can belong, have community, have tribe, have fellowship. And, and that's what, that's what black sheep is providing. And I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for that. I'm grateful for the man that you are. Well, I hope you enjoyed part one of our episode with Jeffrey Meadows. He's uh he's he's just a warrior in life. He helps fight battles of his own and then helps others with their battles in their greatest times of need. He's been there for me and he's been there for some of my friends, training partners. Dude's a saint. Um he's just trying his best, but he he wouldn't like the th- me calling him a saint, but I really uh would appreciate if you tune into part two, because we're going to get into some nitty gritty of me going back to treatment. We also have a pretty, uh, he, he, he gives me some, not, I wouldn't call it tough love, but he, he, he's a mirror for me. Right. And he has, he opened my eyes to a couple things that I really need to walk into treatment to really look at and to explore. And I'm really grateful that he's going to be there a few days a week, at least while I'm at treatment. And, um, You'll be able to help remind me of this conversation we had. And uh, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you on it for sponsoring the show. Thank you, hot pie media. Everyone's been so gracious and loving and kind as I've been opening up and being real and honest saying that I need to go get some help. So um, yeah, please rate review, subscribe, share this out. If it helped you Uh, share it with any friends, family, anyone that's struggling. Um, that might need help overcoming, maybe something similar to to Jeff has or to me. Thanks so much. You have overcome 100% of your darkest days.
1: Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.